Let's uh, open our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. 28 chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. So we are past the halfway point. And we will not make a U-turn. Last time we looked, uh, we talked about being weather watchers. You remember that? And uh, we're either going to be weather watchers or Jesus followers. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they were testing Jesus, asking for a sign. And they had the ultimate sign standing right in front of them. Jesus was standing right there in front of them. And he confronted them. They thought they were confronting him, but he really confronted them. He says, you know, you can read the weather. You can look up in the sky and and read the weather, but you can't see the most important thing that's standing right in front of you. They wanted this sign in the sky, and he says, you know what? There's going to be no sign except the sign of Jonah, and referring, of course, to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He pointed ahead to the cross. I I, uh, quoted from a, a guy named James Boyce who says, you know, You worry about whether it's going to rain tomorrow, but you don't give a single serious thought to where you'll spend eternity. You can worry about the weather, but what about eternity? So then Jesus told his disciples to watch out for the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and and they were like on both sides of the map here, the Pharisees and their legalism and their hypocrisy, and then the Sadducees and their liberalism and and kind of just watering down everything. He says, watch out for that. Of course, the disciples kind of, they were a little clueless. But he filled them in. He helped them understand, and he'll help us understand. But watch out for false teaching. There's a lot of it around. Or teaching that is not really teaching. It's teaching just teaching, but it's not teaching from the Word. It's The thoughts of man. We want the thoughts of God. We want God's word, not man's word. Today I want to ask you a question. Have any of you ever had an identity crisis? Anybody ever had an identity crisis? Are you having one right now? You know, it kind of happens, I think, maybe when we're like, you know, between... Uh, 16 and 23, kind of like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? And then we get to be about 40, and it happens again, like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? We call that the midlife crisis, right? And, and then we get to the end of our lives, and who was I? What did I do? What didn't I do? You know, we got all these questions about, you know, who I am and, and focusing on, you know, me and why am I here and, and what are people thinking about me? But it's interesting in this section we're going to look at today, Jesus asks questions like this, but he asks them for very, very different reasons, as we'll see. Look at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now Luke, in his parallel account, he gives us a little bit more information. It says that when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? So he's there praying. It kind of sounds like they're just sort of watching. And he's praying in private and maybe, you know, they're guarding him or something. They think they're guarding Jesus. He needs help and... 
You know, we, we're like that. We've got to help Jesus out. But he's praying, and then he, he asks them this question. He says, who do, the, who do the people, who do the crowds say that I am? Say that the Son of Man is. And we'll talk about the, the, the title he uses for himself, Son of Man, later. But, it, but, but is Jesus, in this particular case, is he having an identity crisis? I mean, I think that some liberals might say so. Some liberals who kind of look in a, the, from a humanistic uh, viewpoint, but it all gets down to who Jesus is, would look at him and say, this guy, you know, he's just kind of going through what we all go through. He's having this identity crisis, trying to figure out who he is, and, and, and trying, to, trying to figure out who he is by what other people think about him. That's a danger, isn't it? But I want to say to you today that Jesus certainly knew who he was. He certainly knew who he was. He used that title, Son of Man, uh, for himself over 80 times in Scripture out of the Old Testament prophets. So why is he asking the question? If he's not confused about it, why, why ask? Because it's a very important question for all of us. Very important. And, and the truth of the matter is that this question is, is at the heart of our eternal destiny. Who is Jesus? Uh, Warren Wiersbe said a right confession of who Jesus is is basic to salvation. It's at the very heart of, of eternal life. It's at the very heart of, of, uh, of us having eternal life and a relationship with Him based on who He is. You know what? I want to say this to you, and this is an important thing. In a very me-centered world, let me say that again. In a very me-centered world, it's not so important to know who we are. But to know who He is is the most important thing. You say, well, you know, uh, I've got to find out who I am before I can find out who He is. Well, the truth of the matter is you will not find out who you are until you find out who He is. And until we have a relationship with Him and know who He is, see, that's what brings our lives together. That's what gives us meaning and purpose. It's not apart from him, well, I'm going to figure it all out and then I'm going to go and, 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 and try to figure out who he is. Now we got that backwards. That's the human-centric. I just made up that word. <laughs> human-centric, meaning humans are central. But we need to go to the Jesus-centric. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Jesus at the center of life and and find out who he is. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Look at their response in verse 14. They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They thought perhaps that Jesus, and, and somehow you know they knew what people were thinking. Maybe they had asked or maybe they're just you know hanging out with these people they say oh i think he must be john the baptist or he must be you know elijah and and there there were different prophecies about some of these coming back being there but they thought maybe he was a prophet come back to life a prophet come back to life do you think there's a little bit of confusion maybe a little bit of confusion there 
This is when Jesus is actually right there on the earth with them physically, and there's all this confusion, like, who is this? Well, he might be. I think, I think he's probably Jeremiah. Well, he doesn't really look like Jeremiah. I don't know. They all had long hair and beards. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't look like John the Baptist looked like, and John the Baptist was just here a short while ago. I think there's confusion then, there's confusion now as well. If you went and asked, let me ask you this question. If you went and asked your friends and your family and maybe your coworkers or fellow students, neighbors, if you went and asked them, who, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And if you say son of man, they're not going to really understand that. But if you ask them, who is this guy Jesus? Who do you think he is? What would they say to you? Maybe you've asked people that question i don't think it's a bad question to ask it gets some dialogue going doesn't it? well you know you, you hear him saying oh you know using jesus name as a swear word and then you can ask them listen do you who do you think jesus is i know he's not just a swear word but who do you think he is opens up some dialogue but but if you've asked that question or, or you've heard people talking about who they say is what what kinds of answers have you heard a good teacher yeah what else a good man a prophet? Yeah? Any, any other ideas? One of, many paths. one of many paths. That's a big one, especially now. One uh, commentator, uh, uh, George MacDonald, uh, said this, to the average person, he was one among many. He says, this view would never do. If he were only another man, he was a fraud because he claimed to be equal with God the Father. The people didn't know who he was. They were happy, though, did, as we've seen, they were happy to be healed. They were happy to be fed. They were happy to have all their, you know, my needs met. But they really didn't know who it was that was meeting their needs. They didn't have, they didn't have the understanding of it. Which I think is a, is a principle for you and I to... To, uh, to understand is that you can't go by what the crowd thinks. You can't always go by what, it, you know, what the majority thinks or what all these people think because if you go out and ask them, you're going to get all these different answers. Well, you know, obviously that they didn't have a clue here. But look at verse 15. You know, what do all the people think? In verse 15, he says, but what about you? What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am. You know, it doesn't really matter what others say about Jesus. It gets down to you and me. Ultimately, you and me need to figure this out. You and me, individually, personally, we need to come to grips with, with who is Jesus? Who is he? Is he just the guy that, you know, I call on when I, when I, when I need some food or I need some clothing? You know, Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, uh, you know, he says, don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. One person said this, Jesus Christ demands a personal verdict. He did not only ask Peter and the others, but he asks every person, you, who do you say I am? If your neighbor asks you, could you answer the question? 
If you're, one of your family members asks you, well, who is this Jesus? You talk about Jesus all the time. Well, who is he? Maybe you should turn it around right then and say, well, who, who do you think he is first? And then answer. See, I think we've got to look for those opportunities to talk to people about who Jesus is. You've got some opportunities. Well, I'm not Billy Graham, or I'm not Greg Laurie, or I'm not, you know, a great evangelist. No, but you can talk about who Jesus is. You can tell him, you can explain him. Each of us have to answer the question for ourselves, but there are people all around us who, who don't have the answer. Let's look at Simon Peter's answer in verse 16. This is kind of like a, you know, the, the confession of, of Simon Peter. The great confession of Peter, it says in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This, this great confession that he made, he, he said you are the Christ, and, and we, we know Jesus you know, is called Jesus Christ. Again, it's not a swear word, and I'm so offended by that. But the word Christ literally means anointed one. And it's equivalent to the, to the Hebrew word, which is what? Messiah or, or Mashiach. And, and uh, they both mean the same, same thing. They mean the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. He says, you are the anointed one, the Christ, the son of the living God. And all this put together, it, you know, kind of gives us a very clear and simple picture of who he is. The anointed one means simply this, it's the one we've been waiting for. He's the one who's been anointed to be the answer for the needs of mankind. Messiah, they're waiting for Messiah. Why? Because Messiah will come and, and make everything right. Of course, the Jewish nation was waiting for, for Messiah, right, in that time. And Jesus came along, and they were kind of upset with him. Why? Because he didn't do things the way they wanted him to. They were waiting for Messiah to come and, and, and to the, in their minds make everything right was to, you know, smash the Romans, the Roman government, and, and to set up uh, a kingdom, right? But Jesus didn't come and do that, did he? He came and, and, he, he, he came and, and, and went to a cross. And he gave his life for you and for me. The one We've been waiting for God's answer, the one who would rescue us. And, and, the, and the, the need that you and I as the human race had was what? Forgiveness of sin. He could have came and set up his kingdom, but then all those people would have died and they would have went to a, an eternity separated from God because without sin being paid for, you and I are on our way to hell. That's the reality of what the Bible teaches. And so Jesus knew what the real need was, the first need. Is he going to come back and set up his kingdom? Yes, he will. The second coming of Messiah, of Jesus. But the first coming had to happen first, where he would come and die and pay the price. Without that, we're lost. Without that, we're lost. The one who would rescue us. You are the Christ, he said. You are the one who would come, the one we've been waiting for, the one who is the answer, God's answer, the one who would rescue us. And yes, establish his kingdom. In Mark chapter 14, when Jesus is standing before the high priest, it says Jesus remained silent. He gave no answer 
to the accusations. And it says that the high priest again asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Point blank, he asked him, Are you the Christ? Are you Messiah? Are you the anointed one that, was, that we've all been waiting for? He said this, I am. And he said, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Did the high priest then say, well, okay, well, I'm going to follow you now. I'll believe in you now. No, this is what he says. It says happened. The high priest tore his clothes. He says, why do we need any more witnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death in this quote-unquote spiritual council. The spiritual leaders, they condemned him of death. They were actually being, you know, bringing about, helping to bring about the very plan of God that he would die for the sins of all mankind. Are you the Christ? He says, I am. Are you the answer? He says, I am. <clears throat> he says he was the son of the living God. And when, make no mistake about it, in, 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 in that setting, when someone would call himself the son of the living God, he was what? Making himself equal to God. Jesus called himself the son of the living God. He called himself the son of man, which is another term for Messiah who would come. And you can read about it in Daniel chapter 7 and, and verses 13 and 14. Who do people say that I am? But what about you? Who do you say I am? Is he just a man? Is he just a prophet? Is he a good man? He was all those things, of course. But he was Messiah, the answer. He was God, the Son of God. He was King. He was Savior. In 1 John chapter 5, it says these words in verse 1. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's about as clear as it gets, right? The pathway to salvation, the pathway to the new birth, to being born again. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, read it for yourself, that you will not see the kingdom of God and you will not enter into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. The pathway to being born of God is by believing that Jesus is the answer, that he is Messiah, the Christ, the one we've been waiting for. See. You say, but the, but the people around me, they're all thinking he's just like one of the ways and, and all this stuff. The Bible teaches that that is complete and utter lies, untruth, rubbish, nonsense. There's one way. There's one way, one pathway, one step, and it's Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Have you believed in him? I know many of you here, and I know most of you have believed in him. You believe that Jesus is the answer you were looking for. You searched and searched. You looked and looked. You tried all different kinds of things, perhaps. But you found that Jesus was really the only one that would be there for you. The only one that could answer the questions of life and death. I had an opportunity to do a graveside service last week on Monday. And I really didn't know any of these people. But you know what? I, I wanted them to know. And, and, and I simply, in my comments and scriptures that I read, was that, that there is a life beyond this life. 
that there is a future beyond this existence and it's found in Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him and that he is the answer that you and I need. And when we face up to things like death, well, what is the answer? I was there in the hospital when this gal passed away. I, I didn't know her very well. I don't know what kind of relationship we had with her. I met her some 16 years previously. Haven't seen or talked to her since. But what makes the difference is having a relationship and believing that Jesus is the answer. Do you have that? Do you know that? Don't leave this place. God forbid that you'd leave this place without settling that question. Do you know who I am, he says? Who do you say I am? Not who do your parents say I am. Not who do your friends say that he is. Who do you, who do I say that he is? Look at verse 17. Jesus talks about this great confession that he makes. He says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. He said this is an incredible statement, and it's all true. And it's a spiritual truth, and it's heavenly truth. It's truth revealed by the Father, the Father making the Son known to those who would look for the truth about God. It's not man's wisdom. We've already talked about what man's wisdom has come up with. It's not man's knowledge. In in the next chapter, look at at chapter 17, verse uh, 5. While he was still speaking, that's Peter. God interrupts Peter. It says, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the father speaking. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The father revealing who the son is. The father making the son known. God has revealed it to us by his spirit that we need faith in him. Verse 18 says, And I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth uh, will be loosed in heaven. There's been some confusion about some of these issues here, and there's some of them that I'm still not totally clear about, still asking God to reveal and make me understand, help me understand, and and I, I find in my Christian life, you know, in my early years, there were so many things I didn't understand, but gradually through the years, as I have a more uh, time knowing him, I understand more things. But there's still so many things I don't completely and fully understand. I'm not going to stand here and say to you, you know, I got all the truth now, and, and I'm going to teach it all to you. No, I'm, I'm seeking after God to understand his word as best as I possibly can. But there's some serious confusion about this idea of building the church. Which rock? He says, I'll, uh, on this rock I'll build my church. Which rock? Is it Peter? Well, the name Peter means stone. But the other word he uses is actually a different word, rock. And some say, we well, can't use those things. But, but I think there is some, some, uh, some differentiation there between Peter, a little stone, and, and, and on this rock, 
which is a different word, Petra, a large rock or bedrock, I think the answer should be very obvious. Which one are you going to build on, this tiny little pebble or a huge stone, a rock, bedrock? Which one is he going to build his church on? We were babysitting last night, and uh, I said to someone, you know, well, are you okay? He says, it makes me happy, but it makes me tired, too. You know, but, but one of them, she had a little stone, and, and guess where it went? Right into her mouth, a little tiny stone. Now, would you build your life on that little stone? Or would you want to build your life on, on this huge bedrock? And, and, and what, you know, what, what do you think that, that God would build his church upon? The scripture never talks about building on the rock of a person, but on God himself. Bedrock, the foundation. You see it throughout the Old Testament. and In Psalm 18, it says, The Lord is my rock. He says, My God is my rock. And later on, he says, And who is the rock except our God? Three times he talks about God himself being the rock. Well, that makes sense to me. Who are we going to build our, our, our church? Who is, going to build, who is, is God going to build his church upon? The rock of God himself and the rock of this confession that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church is built on Jesus, on who he is and on what he's done. It's not built on Peter. How could God build his church on a fallible man like Peter, Warren Wiersbe uh, asks the question. The next section, which we're not getting to today, will, should make that kind of clear. When, when Peter comes alongside Jesus and starts to rebuke him when he talks about the cross. Whoa. You and I, you and I need to build our lives on him. The church itself is built on this confession about who he is. It says the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church built on Jesus cannot be stopped. The true church built upon the, the rock of Jesus, not upon some man, not upon some succession of men, but upon Jesus himself. There's one mediator between God and men. Who is that? The man Christ Jesus. He says that the, the gates cannot overcome it and and, you know, there's something in there. You've probably heard people talk about storming the gates of hell, storming the gates of Hades, that they can't overcome the church when the church is, is preaching the truth of, of who Jesus is. This is the key of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel that Jesus is the answer. And only in harmony with him and in, in harmony with heaven, in, in harmony with God's will, can we, can we be used to bind on earth and, and it being bound in heaven, loosing on earth what would be loosed in heaven in harmony with him and his will. Verse 20, we'll finish for today. He says, and he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? After all that, Peter has this great confession about who he is. He says, man, that is incredible. That is God. That is you. You know, you got that straight from the Father. And then he says, don't go tell anybody. <laughs> well, why? 
Why not? Well, I think the, the, the most important reason, there's a bunch of reasons, and some of the reasons you have are probably correct too, but I think the most important reason is his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. And they wanted to make him king. They wanted to set him up, do it their way. But he says, I've got to do it my way, and the way is the way of the cross, right? The way is the way of the resurrection, and they must be fulfilled. And next week we'll see, he begins to, it says from that time he begins to talk to them about it, explain it to them. So, who do you say? Who do I say that he is? There's the crowds, there's the people out there, there's the worldly system around us. But who do you say that he is? I think that's a good witnessing tool. I really do. Who do you think Jesus is? And, and you don't have to hammer on him. Well, let me just tell you who he said he is and what the Bible says about him. And leave it at that. See, God's word is powerful. And it'll get in there. Are we going by the answers of the world or by the truth of God? Are we building our lives on him? Or is he just like a little add-on? I like it, you know, these computer language, you know, add-ons. You're going to get an add-on for your phone or your computer or whatever. Why don't they just give it all to you? You've got to add on everything. Well, Jesus is not a little add-on to our lives, right? We want him. Him. Build our lives upon him. The bedrock, the truth. What about you? Who is he to you? And what are you building your life upon? Big questions, right? Have you answered those questions? You need to. You need to grapple with them. You need to look at them. And, and, and perhaps God is going to challenge you in one way or another. Maybe today the challenge is for you to say, okay, he is the answer I've been looking for. Or maybe for you today it's, it's simply this. Uh, you, know, he, you know, building the church in my life I've been just building my own thing, my own little kingdom. But I need to build it on him, on solid rock. You look back to Matthew chapter 7 uh, where he talks about building on the rock and the, the storms come, right? And what happens? If, if you're not built upon the rock, you get washed away, blown away. Let's pray together. I want to give you an opportunity right here, right now this morning to respond to his word, to what he might be saying to you. Because today is the day that God has given to us. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and, and that, that question is, who do you say that I am? He's saying that right to you. And you're grappling with it. Even right now, you're, you're being challenged by it. Who do you say that I am? He's saying to you. Maybe that's you this morning. I want, I want to just repeat to you what Peter said. He says that, that you are the Christ, the answer, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the one that came for you and that will answer every need, every problem, every situation that you have. Father God, we come and, uh, and, I, and I take it to understand that, there, that, that every person in this room has already grappled with who you are. And I hope that's the case, Lord. But I pray for any who may are still on that fence, still grappling with the question, who do people around me say? But no, who do, who do I say that he is? And I pray for them that, that they would make it right with you and, and simply say yes to you.
today. And I pray for those that, that uh, have raised their hands to simply acknowledge that they want to build on something that's solid and that's right. And maybe they've been kind of building on, on uh, sand. Father, we want to build our church and the, the whole church around the world up, upon the confession of, of who you are. The answer, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God, God himself. God, help us to do that. Help these souls here who, have, who have, uh, have, have made that step and willing to say yes today, here, now. Hear their cries, Lord, I pray. And some of us who are perhaps still grappling, still wanting to do it my way, that we would learn that surrender that we talked about earlier and say, yes, Lord, you and only you. There's no other way to go. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.